Turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles to John chapter 12. We read one verse here last week and studied it and talked, and God's Word was on that from 12.25. We're going to look at John chapter 12, verse 26 this morning. John 12.26 If any man serve Me, let him follow Me. And where I am, there shall also My servant be. If any man serve Me, him will My Father honor. We serve a triune God. I know that we know that. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the Bible says here, Jesus says, the one who honors Him, if any man serve Him, serve the Son of God, Jesus, Him will my Father honor. The Lord's going to honor. That means to prize, to revere, to value. The Lord values and reveres the one that serves the Son. So we're going we're to talk about this morning serving the Son. Jesus says in this verse, and y'all, this is, this is it. This is the Scripture. I've got other Scriptures we're going to look at, but this is what we're studying. And we're looking at this morning, verse 26. So get, get familiar with it. We're going to be very familiar with it this morning. I pray God would teach us. Jesus says in this passage, where I am, at, in the middle of that Scripture, there shall also my servant be. Where I am, there shall also my servant be. The servant of Christ must be a follower of Christ. It's such a simple truth, but it's, it's true. The servant of Christ must be a follower of Christ. The servant of Christ must be and will be where Jesus is. We'll be with him. We'll be where he is. And Jesus said at the beginning of that verse 26, if any man serve me, if any man serve me. And the reason that word if is there, like it is in other places in the Scripture, is because all men don't serve the Lord Jesus Christ. If any man serve me, let him follow me, Jesus said. But all men don't serve Jesus, do they? All men won't follow Jesus. All men and women won't. Many will live and die and never come to know Christ. They won't understand that He's Lord until it's too late for Him to be their Savior and Lord. All won't choose Christ. Jesus said, uh, the Lord said in the Old Testament, I set before you a blessing and a curse and life and death. Choose life. He says, I said it before you. Choose life. All men won't choose life. Many men will not choose Christ. Many men will, will die without Jesus being their Lord and Savior. Jesus said in John 5.40, And you will not come to Me that you might have life. Nobody can blame the Lord when they die and go to hell. Nobody can blame the Lord that, that they're, they're experienced this torment for all eternity and never got saved and they missed out on heaven. They missed out on a relationship with God. Nobody can ever, ever. He says, you will not come to me that you might have life. If you come to me, I'd give you life, is what he's saying. Just like the rich young ruler came that he might have life, but he left sad because he wasn't willing to, to count the cost and to, follow, to, to pay the price to follow the Lord. But all men won't. Many will choose to love their own life, like we talked about last week. He that loveth his life shall lose it. He that, he that hateth his life in this life shall keep, in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. That was last week's message. Many are going to choose to love their life, their own life in this world. And if any man serve me, let him follow me. 
That if is so important because all men don't. Amen? If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. That doesn't mean everybody's a new creature. Those that are in Christ are new creatures, right? If any man hear my voice, let him harden not his heart as in the day of provocation. Let him hear my voice and obey the Holy Spirit. Uh, and so these ifs are there because it's a choice. It really does away with, with, uh, with Calvinism, doesn't it? You know, really, you'd have to, you'd have to throw out uh, 90% of the Bible to believe in election that God predestines men to hell and predestines others to, to heaven and they, those men never had a choice. Uh, if any man... You know, choose you this day whom you'll serve. But he says, if any man serve me, let him follow me. And, and the follow me there means as a disciple. The follow me means by definition to accompany or to be in the same way with. It means I'm going to be with the Lord. I don't think it physically means just physically. I'm always where Jesus is. I do believe it means to be in the same way with. If I'm a follower of the Lord, I'm going to be of the same mindset. I'm going to have the same heart. I'm going to have the same burden as He has. You, you see what's going on in the world and we, we see it with God's eyes. You know what I'm talking about? Aren't you able to discern what's going on in our world when you watch the news for 30 seconds is always talking about it. It doesn't take long. And, and you can leave the room and you say, I already know that. I can see through that. Why? Because we're walking with the Lord and we know the truth of His Word. And we have the spirit of truth in us and we're able to see it. So to uh, the, if any man serve me, let him follow me. That means we'll be with the Lord. We'll be following the Lord. We'll have his mind. We'll have his heart. What breaks his heart will break our heart. What he hates, we will hate. What he loves, we will love. What he's busy doing on the earth, we will be uh, engaged in doing what he's doing on the earth. Uh, we'll weep with those that weep. We'll rejoice with those that rejoice. We will be like Jesus. We'll be with Him. Okay? So this is not just like last week. You know, we, we, last week, if you weren't here, uh, and even if you were, we studied John 12, 25. This week, we're looking at John 12, 26. Those two verses go together. And neither Scripture is telling a man how to be saved. I want you to understand this. If, you, if somebody was lost and you just said to them, follow Jesus. Go serve Him. That's not the Gospel message. The Gospel is we're saved by grace through faith. The Gospel is this, that Jesus Christ died according to the Scriptures. And that He was buried and rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. And whosoever will believe in Him shall be saved. This is the Gospel, right? If we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in our heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, we shall be saved. That's how someone comes to know Jesus. That's how you, they pass from being a dead man spiritually to life. And, and so this, these passages we're, lo we're looking at are not the Gospel per se. This is not how a man is, becomes born again. But it is, Jesus is telling us here in His Word, this is a, like a description of what a believer is. Once you're saved, this is how you can know you're saved. This is how... Uh, you know you're a disciple. This is a description of what is a disciple of Christ. What a disciple of Christ must be in order to really be a disciple of Christ. Okay? Uh, this is a description, really by definition, of what a true follower of Jesus is. He or she will be with the Lord. 
what he or she will do. Uh, how do I know that I'm really a follower of the Lord? How can I look around me and see people and know that they're a follower of the Lord? How can I be sure in my own heart? Well, there's several tests. We have the witness of the Holy Ghost. It says in Romans, the Holy Ghost uh, testifying in our hearts, crying out with Father, you know, that we are children of God. And, and there's this, that's one of the main tests is the Holy Ghost bears witness, but also we're, we're, we are with the Lord. We're where He is. How do I know that I'm a follower of Christ and I'm not just saying that I am? How can I tell that my spouse or my children or people around me are followers of Christ? And so Jesus has given a description. He's given almost like a definition of the characteristics of such a life. What is a life of a follower of Christ? If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. That's two really big things, isn't it? We're not to love our lives in this life. We're to hate it in the sense of preferring the Lord far above. Hate in that sense we talked about last week. I don't believe that. Uh, I don't believe that Peter, for example, looked at John and wondered if he was a servant of Christ, or vice versa. You understand? I think they knew they were. They weren't perfect. They knew that about each other, but they knew they were followers of Christ. That they were in it for keeps. You understand what I'm saying? That this was they were they weren't just pretenders. They were real followers and disciples of the Lord. And the one who's not confused at all is Jesus. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his. And let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. He knows who belongs to him, and he's telling us if you name his name, depart from iniquity. Does that mean we'll never sin again? Prayerfully, it would mean that. But we do sin after we're saved. We have provision. We can be forgiven. But I'm going to live for God and I'm going to depart from iniquity and sin. I'm a follower of the Lord. He knows who belongs to Him. He's not confused. And the Bible says, uh, Jesus said of His disciples right towards the end before He went to the cross, He said, You are they which have continued with Me in My temptation. You continued with Me. They were followers. Now we know Judas betrayed the Lord. He was ordained to that purpose. And, and he did. He, he fell. But still, I, I, I guess what I'm saying here is that, that salvation is a free gift of God to all who believe, believe in the Lord and His finished work. Amen? That's how we're saved. Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth My word and believeth on Him that sent Me hath everlasting life. So this is salvation. He's not talking there about being a disciple, a servant. We've got to keep the two separate. They're, they're, they, are go, they go together, but salvation is salvation. And right on the heels of that is discipleship, okay? Or being a servant of the Lord. I'll read it again. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life. It would be wrong of me as a minister of the gospel or you as a believer in presenting the gospel any other way to a lost person. To say you have to come to church and you have to pray all the time. Well, a disciple of Christ will do those things. You have to tithe and you have if they're lost and they need Jesus, they need to know they're a sinner and on their way to hell without Christ, and that he died to pay the price for their sin. And if they'll come to him by faith, he will forgive them and give them new life. 
Okay, that's that's the gospel, and 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 he goes on to say, "Shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death to life." Just like the thief on the cross, did he have time to become a disciple, a follower of the Lord? No, he did not. He followed him to paradise a few hours later, and he's with him now in heaven. You understand the point that the gospel of salvation is salvation. Jesus is not sharing the gospel in the two verses that were studied last week and this week in John 12. He is saying what a true believer is. What would that life be like? What what will that person do? Amen? And so the Lord doesn't call men. This is so important. The Lord doesn't call anybody simply to be converted to Christianity. You won't find it in the Bible where Jesus called men to be converts. And what I mean by that is somebody converts from atheism or another religion or something to Christianity or converts from being nothing, so to speak, irreligious to being a Christian. He, he doesn't call men simply to that. He calls men to himself. He calls men in, in the new... He calls men to be his disciples. He's not just taking men to heaven someday. As soon as somebody's saved, we're coming into a relationship with Him. So in order to go to heaven, I need to know Him in, in the most intimate way. That's what that word know means. We've studied it, right? This is life eternal, Jesus said, that they may know Thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom Thou hast sent. So, in salvation, there is automatically, and with that, our part of that is a relationship with God. And he doesn't call them in to be converts and then leaves them on the shelf. He doesn't call them in to be saved and say, whenever you die, whenever that is, you're going to come be with me forever. That would be wonderful just to be with the Lord forever in heaven, but something far better. He calls men to himself and every single person that he saves, he calls to be a disciple. It's not just 12 disciples and one betrayed the Lord or 12 apostles. It is everybody that names the name of Christ and meant it by faith and called upon Jesus. Everyone He saved, everyone He redeemed by His blood has been sealed with the Holy Spirit and every single one is called to be a follower of the Lord. Everyone. It's not for a special class of people. You understand that? It's not just for the full-time ministers of the Gospel. It's not just for people like Peter and John and and you know, or Timothy, or people like that in the Bible. Everyone he calls, he calls to be a disciple. And a disciple is a follower, a learner. So everybody that he saved is to be a follower of Christ. And he says, if any man uh, serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. So that's for everybody that's born again. Amen? That's everybody that names the name of Christ. I love this verse. I go to it often. And it speaks of those uh, 144,000 witnesses for Christ, believers during the tribulation period that are sealed for that purpose. We've studied it. These are they which were not defiled with women, for they were virgins. These are they which follow the Lamb whithersoever He goeth. Shouldn't that be the testimony? of every believer though? Do you see anything different in the Bible that you could say, well, you know, there's some exceptions for certain believers. There's not. 
And this is what we're talking about. These are they which follow the Lamb whithersoever He goeth. They were redeemed from among men. We were. Being the first fruits unto God and to the Lamb. We should be those. And God would expect us to do that. To follow Him wherever He goes. To follow Him through this life and into the next. There's really no break, so to speak. The physical body will die and go into grave or will be raptured and it will be transformed instantly and conformed. But still, as soon as we gave our life to Jesus, we came into a relationship with Him and we follow Him and we're where He is all through this life. I don't know if we're going to live one more second or we're going to live 75 more years. However long that is, we go from this, this life, walking with Jesus, we're following the Lamb, we go and be with Him in heaven. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But we're present with the Lord now. Not physically, but in a spiritual sense with, by the Holy Spirit in us. And so, it's wonderful to know that everyone that the Lord saves, He calls to be a disciple. And everyone He calls to be a disciple, He enables to be a disciple. In other words, he, he, well, this is just too much. And one believer says, you know, D, D can do it, but uh, it's, it's, I couldn't really do it. It's too much for me. That's not the truth. The truth is that he takes the weakest, the least, the newest convert, the youngest convert, the most immature, whoever it is, he's redeemed, sealed by his spirit, and by his grace, he enables or empowers men and women young people, children, in this day, a hundred years ago, a hundred years from now, if the Lord tarries, he, he enables men to be His disciples. You can follow Me, is what He's saying. Because I'm going to help you. Because it's going to be by My Spirit, which lives in you. It's going to be by My living Word. It's going to be by the promises that are sure and true that I give to you. And you'll hang on to them. And I'm going to hang on to you, the Lord's saying. And I'm going to keep you. He promises to never forsake His own. He promises to be with us every step of the way. Jesus said right before He departed, after His resurrection and before He ascended, He said, uh, and lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. Or it means to the end of the age. I'm with you how often? Always. All the disciples of Judas went and killed himself and betrayed the Lord. Uh, but all the other disciples were martyred for the Lord. John might have died on the island of Patmos there. But all of them died. But the Lord was with him. I'm with you always. So He's with them even then. He, he never leaves or forsakes His own. I love this Scripture in, in Psalm 48, 14. For this God is our God forever and ever. He will be our guide even unto death. He's going to be our guide even unto death. He's bringing us all the way, all the way through. What am I saying? That the one who calls us to be His disciple and a servant and a follower will also be with us and enable us to be His disciple and follower. What God would have us to, to focus on this morning, I believe, and, and is that one statement that, and where I am, there shall also my servant be. Again, this is by definition what a disciple is. A disciple is a follower or a learner. So He's saying, that's where they'll be. The disciple of Christ, the servant of the Lord, where will be where the Lord is. We're, we will be where He is regularly, consistently, right? Habitually, I guess you would say, gladly. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Then He says, abide in Me. 
I'm the vine, you're the branch, abide in me. It doesn't say come visit me, right? Abide in me. And that means to dwell, That's a, to remain, it's a dwelling place. I cannot be a follower of Christ and not be where he is. They just don't, they don't mix. Those two descriptions don't fit together. I can't be a follower of Christ and not be where He is. How foolish to think that I could be a servant or disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ and not be where He is. And I believe there are people in our day, maybe I've been this way at times in my life, okay? I think there are a lot of people, we talked about it last week, that are confused as to what Christianity is. What is a true Christian? What does it mean to know the Lord? Because many people claim to know the Lord and and some do and many don't that claim to know the Lord. And there's confusion coming from pulpits and there's confusion coming from uh, Christian music groups. There's confusion coming from Christian bookstores and, and Christianity Today, the magazine. And there's confusion of what is a real Christian? What does it mean to belong to Christ and be a follower of Christ? There are people, and they wouldn't say these words, but it's almost as they would say, I want to be a follower of the Lord, but I don't want to follow Him. I want to be a Christian, and I want the benefits of Christianity, and I even like a lot of the Christian things, culture or whatever. I want to be a follower of the Lord, but I don't want to follow the Lord. I want to follow the Lord, but I don't want to stick closely to His side everywhere He goes. I want to go some of the places that Jesus goes. Or I want to stick with Jesus sometimes, but sometimes I want to do my own thing. But that's not where I am, Jesus said, there will also my servant be. So if I'm a servant of the Lord, I will be. Not maybe, not sometimes, not most of the times, I will be where the Lord is. It's, it's, again, it's by definitions. Sometimes, you know, I want to follow the Lord, but sometimes it's not convenient. People wouldn't say those words, but that's the thought, and then ends up being their lifestyle. And maybe they surround themselves with other Christians that are like-minded. You understand what I'm saying? I, I want to follow the Lord, but sometimes it's not convenient for me to follow the Lord. It might cost me my job. It might cost me that promotion. It might cost me my friends. That's a big one, isn't it? I don't care what age you are. I can remember in high school, that was a, in college, that was the biggest thing for me. It might cost me my friends to be a follower of the Lord all the time. I go to church on Sunday and do the church thing and I'll get back with my friends at LSU and do, do the things there with them. If any man will serve me, let him follow me. But we say sometimes I want to do my own thing and God's not in it. When I do my own thing, God's not in it. He's not part of that. Doesn't mean He's abandoned me. I'm saying He's not in that thing, that activity, that music, that movie, that fellowship, whatever I'm doing. He's not part of that. I want to read the quote from, from uh, Tozer. And A.W. Tozer says, speaking about people like like I'm describing here. I want, to follow I want to be a follower of Christ, but I don't want to follow Christ. He says their religion is, is here, here, but their living is over there. Their lifestyle. On Sunday mornings about 10.30 or, 10.30 or 11 a.m., they polish up their religion, but in the evening, they put it on the shelf, and on Monday, they go out and live the way they want to live. 
That's not a follower of Christ, is it? Now, I can't judge their heart. I said it last week. I'm not intended to judge another man's heart. I can judge what I'm told to judge and must judge is the fruit of their life. If they're saved and bearing, not bearing any fruit, if they're saved and what's coming out of their life is not godly, then they need to repent you know, and bear good fruit and be a follower of the Lord. I can't, I can't be the one who puts a person in heaven or hell by my judgment of their salvation. But I can judge the fruit. And we're supposed to. I need to be the biggest, harshest judge on myself. And each of us needs to do that. But I, I think that there are a lot of people that would say, I want to be a follower of the Lord, but it's not always convenient for me to follow the Lord. And I, I, maybe I want to do my own thing and maybe I'll ask God to come along. Maybe I won't. Maybe there's some things we're going to do or a believer or someone that thinks they're a believer is going to do and they don't want Jesus to be part of it. They don't ask Him to come along. But could you imagine in, in a real life sense, not a spiritual sense, um, a man that was a servant of another. Okay, he serves this king. But let's say he's a servant of the king and that's his title, but he's never with the king. He's always serving somebody else or doing what he wants. He's never there serving the king. You say, somebody say, you say you're a servant of the king. I've never even seen you there once. I always see you over here doing what you want to do. You see how ridiculous that would be? If we're going to be a servant of the Lord, Jesus said, He that serveth me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. You and I, as, as blood-bought saints of God, we're children of the Lord washed in His blood. You and I must be very, very careful and very wise as to where we go and what we do and what we set before our eyes and who our friends are and who we fellowship with all is not God. You know that. I know that you know that, but I'm reminding you of it. The Lord's reminding us all of it this morning. All is not Jesus. All, whether one day Christ will be all in all. When everything, the end of the age, when everything is brought under His Lordship completely, there's a day when Christ will be all in all. It's going to be awesome. But all is not Christ. Christ is not in all. All is certainly not the Lord's will for my life. And just because I'm truly saved doesn't mean that I'm always, quote, where He is. We need to be careful that we're found in Jesus. Be careful to be found in Jesus. And what I mean by this, I'm not just talking about our standing. And I real quickly want to say this. Our standing or our position in Christ, what I mean by that is, if you're saved, you're truly saved, you're, then you're truly saved. You and I have been robed in the righteousness of Christ. We are justified fully by His grace, by faith. That is doctrinal truth. So we're sealed by the Holy Spirit. And even if I wander off from the Lord in sin for a day, for a season, for a minute, if I'm truly saved, I'm truly saved. My position in Christ, as far as my standing being robed in the righteousness of Jesus, that doesn't change. But I'm, when I say this morning, and what I believe the Lord's talking about in John 12, to be where He is, we need to be careful that we're found in Jesus in our lifestyle, in our day-to-day -day activities, in my mind, in my thoughts, in the devotion of my heart, to be where the Lord is day by day, walking with Jesus. Okay? 
keeping our eyes on the Lord. And I'll give an example of this. Where is Jesus? Where is Jesus this morning? Well, we could go to the Bible and He tells us where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. So we know that the Lord is here. If I'm a follower of the Lord, unless I'm you know, really sick or out of town or something like that, then if I'm following the Lord, I'll be here. Because I know that when God's people gather, it's His body. He's the head of His church. He's the head of every local church. He's the head of the universal church. Okay? This is the one He's called us to be part of. So if I'm following Christ as a believer, as I said, I'm not saying there's never a time to miss church. We all do for different reasons. But there shouldn't be a lot of reasons. Let's put it that way. If God's people are gathering together and I'm a follower of Christ, I didn't get a lot of sleep last night, whatever, I'm still going to be with God's people. Because I know as a follower of Christ, that's where I need to be. That's where He's going to be. That's where He's leading me to be. And, and, and I know that I've even heard people say, well, you know, I'm not going to go to the prayer meeting. I'll just stay home and pray. I'm not going to go to church this morning. I just really feel burdened. I'm going to stay home and pray. I honestly believe that we, would, that we were going to be with the people of God. There's lots of times we can pray by ourselves. That's, that's what I believe. I'm talking about being a follower of the Lord. We know that, I'll give another example. Where is the Lord? We know the Lord inhabits the praises of His people. Amen. The Bible tell, His Word tells us that. So that means I will be a worshiper of God and I'll be praising God. Not just when His people are here, certainly when we're here together singing the songs, I will be praising God because I know that I'm following the Lord in that thing. I remember Clinton used to say, I knew I was doing okay. He goes, I know I'm doing all right because I went to the prayer this morning. You know, I'm at the prayer meeting. I know I'm doing okay. He got up and he went and sought God. So that was just a little more assurance that I'm where I'm supposed to be this morning. I'm in the prayer meeting at 5 a.m. or 6 a.m. seeking the Lord. And you understand my point about the follower of the Lord is going to be where the Lord is. Not just physically, but with our heart of hearts in our mindset, being about his, his business. We'll be listening to the voice of our Good Shepherd and we need to be quick to respond when He speaks to us and leads us and guides us because He's, he's the one we're following. He's the Lord and we're His servant. Walking by faith in our Savior. Now when a Christian lives in such a way where he is not where Jesus is, a Christian, a true Christian, I've done it. I've done it. I remember my times at LSU and I've, I've sinned since then, but that would have been like a season in my life where I was saved and not following Jesus. Okay? So it is very possible. You know it's possible. When a Christian lives in such a way where he or she is not where, quote, where Jesus is, it's not only an offense to the Lord who is our Savior and Redeemer and our friend who sticks close to the brother, but it's a terrible misrepresentation of Christ. It's a terrible witness for Christ when I'm a true believer and I'm not following Jesus. I'm not following in my language. I'm not following Him in my, my activities, in my fellowship. I'm not with the people of God when the people of God are worshiping the Lord. Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? Why do you call me Lord, but you don't let me be your Lord? You're not living like I'm your Lord. It's a terrible witness to those around us. And I want to, I'm going to, this will be a passage I want us to turn to and read. Turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 5. 
Just for time's sake, I'm gonna I'm gonna cover this very quickly. But we know the story. You be turning there, Second Kings chapter five. We know the story in this chapter where uh, Naaman the leper, the Syrian captain of the army, heard about. You know, there's a, a captive woman in, in that had been taken captive in Syria, and she said, uh, "There's a there's a prophet over there in Samaria." And, and Naaman had leprosy, right? No cure for leprosy. And she, the little servant says, I wish you could get over there to, to uh, that prophet over there. He would heal you of your leprosy. And so Naaman goes and he brings his whole entourage, right? And gifts to give the prophet. And he gets to Elisha's house. Elisha doesn't even come out of the house. We know the story. He says, go wash in the Jordan River seven times. Eli, uh, Naaman was furious and said that it got cleaner water in rivers back in Syria. I thought for sure the man would come out here and do some spiritual ceremony over me and recover me of this, this leprosy. And then it's, thank God they had a wise servant said, why don't you just go do what he said? If he asked you to do some great thing or pay a hundred thousand talents of silver, you would have done it. Just do what he says. And he goes and he washes in the river and he comes up clean, free from his leprosy on the seventh time. So now he goes back. He's so thankful he wants to give a gift to Elisha the prophet. And let's pick up here in, uh, in verse 15. 2 Kings 5.15 And he returned to the man of God and all his company and came and stood before him and he said, Behold, now I know that there is no God in the earth but in Israel. Now therefore I pray thee, take a blessing of thy servant. Elisha's response, he said, As the Lord liveth before whom I stand, I will, not, I will receive none. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. Elisha says, I'm not going to take a gift from you. God healed you, basically. You know what I'm saying? God's taking care of me. I'm not taking a gift for a miracle healing that took place in your body. So he sends him away. Now here's the point for today. Elisha had a servant named Gehazi. Or Gehazi. And let's pick up in verse 20. But Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said, Behold, my master had spared name of the Syrian, and not receiving had his hand that which he brought. But as the Lord liveth, I will run after him and take someone of him. Talking about being a terrible witness for our master. This is a terrible representation, what Gehazi's about to do, of Elisha and of the Lord. Now, I'm not saying Gehazi was saved. And I'm saying at times as Christians, when we're not walking with the Lord, not always in offense to God, it's a horrible witness for the Lord and representation of the Lord. So Gehazi followed after Naaman. And when Naaman saw him running after him, he lighted down from the chariot to meet him and said, Is all well? And he said, All is well. My master had sent me. He's lying. Saying, Behold, even now there be come to me from Mount Ephraim two young men of the sons of the prophets, Give me, I pray thee, a talent of silver and two changes of garments. Naaman said, Be content, take two talents. And he urged him, and he bound two talents of silver in two bags with two changes of garments and laid them upon two of his servants, and they bare them before him or before Gehazi. And when Gehazi came to the tower, he took them from the hand, their hand and bestowed them in the house. And so he basically hides them in his, his house. And he let the men go and they departed. But he went in and stood before his master. Now we're talking about a, if, if any man serve me, let him follow me. Keep this in mind. Gehazi was a servant of Elisha, but he left 
There's a time he wasn't with him. I know physically he couldn't be with him every second, but he wasn't with him even in his heart or his mind. You understand what I'm saying? So now he comes back in after doing this dirty deed. Alright? This sinful deed. He went in and stood before his master, and Elisha said unto him, Whence comest thou, Gehazi? And he said, Thy servant went nowhere. He said unto him, Went not my heart with thee? When the man turned turned again from his chariot to meet thee, is it a time to receive money and to receive garments and olive yards and vineyards and sheep and oxen and men servants and maid servants? The leprosy therefore of Naaman shall cleave unto thee and unto thy seed forever. And he went out from his presence a leper, white as snow. So what's the point? The point is, I'm not saying anything about Gehazi's Christianity. I am saying about even his loyalty to his master. A servant of the Lord is going to follow the Lord. His servant of the Lord is going to be with, with his Lord and the master. They're going to be lined up. And he went out and he did what he wanted to do. And it was a horrible representation of Elisha. Elisha said, I'm not taking anything, Naaman. I'm not taking a gift from you. And Elisha runs out there and says, hey, my master says, uh, not for him, but, but there's two, two prophets that are there and he wants to give them a change of clothes and some silver. Can you give him a little bit? It was a horrible misrepresentation of Elisha and of the Lord. And I don't, when, when a servant of the Lord is not with the Lord, that's how it's going to be. It's an offense to God and it's a horrible witness for Christ. Horrible witness for the Lord Jesus. Y'all, there's a little song and I'm going to be bringing this to a close really soon. There's a kid's song. I don't remember if it's from Vacation Bible School or just some little kid's Christian song I remember with our children or something, but maybe you've heard it. And I'm going to just give you the words. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Y'all know that song? Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Because your Father up above is looking down in love. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. Your Father up above is looking down in love. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. Be careful, little feet, where you go. Be careful, little feet, where you go. Because your Father up above is looking down in love. Be careful, little feet, where you go. And, and I know that's a, a song, and I, you know, here I'm crying about it. But the point is that if we're servants of the Lord, we're going to be following the Lord. You better be careful where you go. You're a Christian. You're born again. You better be careful what you set before your eyes. We saw Gehazi. Again, I'm not saying he was a Christian that lost his salvation. I don't know that he ever trusted God. But the point is, he did, was not a faithful servant at all. We need to be careful. What we see, what we hear, what we do. You know, it's perfectly normal for an unbeliever to, to live in the world. Right? The Bible tells us that, that we, we used to walk according to the course of this world before we were redeemed by Christ. But it's, not, it's now perfectly normal for someone that's born again. God changes our hearts and desires to be with the Lord. To be walking with the Lord. It's not normal, so to speak. Or natural, so to speak. For a child of God to be living in the world. We can do it. We have to repent and come out of that. It's physically possible 
to sin after we're saved. It's physically possible to sin for a long time after we're saved. But we can't stay there. It's not natural. That's not the natural life. Fish can live out of water for a little while. You know, you catch a fish, you throw it up on the bank. Two minutes later, you know, put it back in the water and swim off. It's natural. It can live out of water, but it's not natural for it to live out of water. It's not natural for me as a believer to live in the world. Not for little times here and there. We're, we're servants of the Lord. And if we live in the Spirit, Paul says in Galatians, let us walk in the Spirit. If we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. I'm bringing this to a close. We ought to be where the Lord is. And I'm asking you this morning, are you where the Lord is? It's not for you to look at your neighbor and say, are they where the Lord is? It's for Randy to ask Randy and for you to ask you, am I, because where I am, there will my servant be also, am I where the Lord is? Is my heart lined up with Jesus? Am I following Him? Am I serving Him or serving Him sometimes? Or part of the time? Am I where He is? The Bible says that Jesus ordained the twelve when He chose the twelve disciples that they should be with Him. Are we with Him? Because we're all called to be disciples of the Lord. Are your eyes looking straight forward at Jesus? Are your feet where they should be? Is your heart fully devoted to Christ? Loving God and serving Him? Are you actually a follower of Jesus or are pretending to be a follower of Jesus? One heart and one mind walking with the Lord. That's where we're called to be. And I'm going to close with this thought. It's a glorious blessing. You know, we talked about following Jesus, but y'all, it's a blessing to be where the Lord is. Why would we want to be anywhere where He's not? If God's not in that bar, I know He's there physically, He's omnipresent, but you understand what I mean by that. God's not in that bar. Why would I want to go to that bar? If God's not at that party because it's ungodly, why do I want to be anywhere where He is not? God's not in that relationship. God's not in that movie. And God's not in that music. Why do I want to be anywhere where He is not? What a blessing to be where He is. What else could be better? And where else would I rather be than to, than to be where Jesus is? I'm closing with two Scriptures. David said in Psalm 73, 23, Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Thou hast holding me up by my right hand. So David said, nevertheless, with ups and downs and all, all he went through, and he went through a lot of ups and downs. But in everything he went through, nevertheless, I'm continually with thee. That's where a servant's going to be. I'm continually with my Lord. If I sin, I ask Him to forgive me. It's not a prolonged absence from God. It's, it's a quick uh, sin. Be quick to repent. Be quick to confess. Be quick to be forgiven. Be quick to be put back in that right relationship with God. My standing in Christ never changed, but my fellowship with Christ did change when I sinned or walked away. I've come back to the Lord quickly. Let those times be less frequent and let those times of walking, to be, walking away be much shorter. Amen? As we're growing in Christ, David said, nevertheless, I'm continually with thee. He was a king. And he says, Thou art the God of my salvation. On Thee do I wait all the day. So He's a king, but He's also a servant. I'm waiting on the Lord all day long. 
is what he says. And I'm closing with this scripture. Jesus said, but he says, let not your hearts be troubled, right? You believe in God, believe also in me. And he goes and says, in my Father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. Then what does he say? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. Why? That where I am, there you may be also. This wonderful. That there's never, even through all eternity, we'll just be with the Lord in, in a special place that He's prepared for us. But He sees it. He chose 12 that they might be with Him. Even in death, He says, I'm preparing a place that where I am, I'm going to come get you. That where I am, there you may be also. He wants us to be with Him. If any man serve me, let him follow me. Amen? Y'all stand with me this morning. And we're going to close with that. And I just want you to take that few moments to take what's been spoken here this morning, examine your heart. Am I where the Lord is? And where I am, there shall also my servant be, Jesus said. And, and just see where you are. Has there been a time in your life where you were closer to Jesus than you are now? Has there been a time in your life where you love Jesus more than you do now? Has there been a time in your life where uh, then if, if that is the case, then, then we can come back. It means that somehow in our hearts we've strayed. Maybe our lifestyle hadn't just fallen apart and we're totally living like a heathen. But, but maybe our hearts grown cold. Maybe we are living like a heathen. Maybe we've walked away from the Lord. And He's calling us back this morning. That's why He gave us this word last week and this week. He's calling us that we would be with Him if we really name the name of Christ and live for Christ, live for Jesus. Maybe you name the name of Christ and you don't really know Him. You're not really born again. And you keep being frustrated because you're trying to live for God and you don't even know Him. Give your life to Jesus. He'll save you. He'll fill you with this Spirit. Enable you to do it. And, and Father, we just come before You in Jesus' name. God, we do love You this morning. Just surrender your life to the Lord this morning, church. God, I thank You, Lord. 